Ephesians 3, verse 20. And it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for this moment. Thank you for this time, this space that we get to share together. God, we pray with these next few moments, Lord, that uh, you will open up our eyes. God, allow us to see what it is that you're showing us. God, open up our ears. Allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your presence. God, we don't have to ask for your presence to be here. It's already here. But Lord, as we sang a moment ago, Lord, make us aware of your presence. God, let us be so in tune to what you're doing in this moment. God, eliminate distractions, the distractions that may exist. Whatever concerns that we walked in with, God, help us by your spirit to lay those down, to hear what you have to say in these next few moments. God, we love you and we honor you. And we're your servants and we say this, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen and amen. Listen, you may be seated. So today is Vision Sunday. And I love this quote by Helen Keller where she once said this, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. Now, what a way to begin a conversation talking about the most pathetic person in the world. But that's what Helen Keller said. She said, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. In other words, when you are a person who simply has sight but no vision, that you are a person who is living aimlessly. You're a person who's just wondering. You're a person who's just sitting back and waiting for things to happen. You're a person who are living without direction. You're living without purpose. You're living without hope. You're living without clarity because there is no vision. And ultimately, when you're living without vision, you are a person who can't envision beyond the current moment. Meaning all you can see is what you see. All that you know is what's in front of you. All that you can comprehend is what the moment tells you. Remember, we said that vision is not what I see first, but, but living with vision is what I see second. It's, it's what I see when I close my eyes. When my eyes are open, there may be one thing I see, but when I close my eyes, there's vision that I see of what could be. But when you live life absent of vision, you live life absent of seeing beyond the current moment. Here's what I'm trying to communicate to his family is that vision is important. Vision is vital. Here's what scripture says in regards to vision. Vision, uh, Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, when there's no vision, the people get out of control. In other words, when there, when there is no vision, we will live out of control lives. We will find ourselves just almost living like the wind, being tossed by the wind, going everywhere except the direction that God has called us to go into. Life absent of vision will always cause you to grasp at every new idea. I don't know if you, if you know that person, or maybe you are that person, do not raise your hand. And if you know them and they're sitting beside you, don't say, mm-hmm, don't do that either. But that person who each week, they have a new idea that they're going after. The next week, there's a new idea that they're pursuing. There's a new trend that they're jumping on. You have coffee, you have lunch, and you find out how they're moving to Houston next month. Next month gets here, and you say, wait a minute, I thought you were going to Houston. No, I changed my mind. I'm starting a new business right here. And you're like, what in the world is going on? Because they are a person who's living without vision that's causing them to grasp at every new idea. Can I challenge us this morning is that we don't need a new idea. We need a revelation from God. We don't need a new trend to pursue. We don't need a new concept. It's not necessarily even a new strategy. No, we need a revelation from God. Look at Proverbs 29, 18. It's the same verse we just read, but I want you to hear it in the Amplified Version where it says this, where there is no vision or no revelation of God in his word, the people are unrestrained. And I like how it says no revelation of God and his word. So many of us, we're not living off of God's word. We're living off the words of TikTok. 
We're living off the words of the latest uh, uh, trend. We're living off the word of what our cousin did. We're living off the word of what our coworkers are talking about, what they're going to do. But we're not living off the word of God. No, we need the revelation of heaven, the revelation of God to live our lives on and by. But that only comes from when we make a decision to be still, to be quiet before the Lord in his presence and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I don't need an idea. I don't need the latest trend to go after. I need a revelation of God. I need vision for my life. And that's where vision comes from. Vision comes from God. Vision comes from knowing that my life is not my own and asking the one who gave me breath, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you would have me to do with my life that I don't own? That every breath I breathe is borrowed. It comes from you. The breath of life was, 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 was breathed into me, so it's not mine. So, God, what should I do with my life? We need vision, and that comes from God. That's how we need to move. Can I tell you, our church moves on vision. Our church, the church is not just here on happenstance. It, it didn't just poof and, and here it is. It, it, there's a vision. It's a God-breathed vision. It's, it's a Holy Spirit-inspired vision. It's not a made-up vision. It's not a carbon copy vision. It's not, I see what's happening over there, so now we do it. No, it's a vision from the Lord. It's not vision that Katie or myself came up with. We don't own the vision. God owns it. God gave the vision for the church. Now, we got to see it and hear it first, but then we shared it, and collectively, together, all of us, we get to steward the vision, but it's not ours. We get the chance collectively to come together to steward and advance the vision of the becoming church that is God's. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? So what is the vision of the becoming church? Well, we express it in this way. It's to help others belong to community, believe in Jesus, and become who God desires them to be. So everything that we do is going to be based on those tenets to help people belong to community. What does that mean? It means this. We want to remove roadblocks that have traditionally hindered people from connecting with God. So what are those things that have become roadblocks that get in the way of people actually connecting with God? And maybe you grew up in a context or you're familiar with the context or, or whatever your church experience or Christianity experience is, you may be aware of some of those things of just the idea of what it looks like to connect with church. Like, for instance, like what you can wear to church. I think it was last Sunday or maybe two weeks ago, uh, someone invited someone uh, who was visiting with them out of town to attend church. And they said, oh, no, 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 I want to, but I don't have anything to wear. And they was like, no, 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 just come on, you'll be okay. And then they got here and they understood that they'll just be okay. But traditionally, that thing right there, something as simple as what you wear, like, I get it, you don't want to show up, you know, there's, there's an order to that. Are you tracking with me? Amen. All right. But we don't want someone to think, yo, I can't come today because of what I'm wearing. But traditionally, that has been a roadblock of why someone couldn't connect with church. We want to remove things like that. Because can I tell you, there's some things traditionally that we've grown up and seen as part of the church that was traditions of men but were not based in Scripture. And so what happens is uh, what we've done in the past as a church, we have elevated those traditions above the standard of Scripture, above what the, what the actual Word of God says. And so now we would determine if people can actually connect with God based on the level in which they were upholding the tradition that we've set in place. But it was never what God said. It was always what man said. But man ended up not being able to connect with God because of tradition that put a roadblock in the way. Are you tracking with me? So at the Becoming Church, we say, Lord, help us to remove those roadblocks that will keep people from connecting with God. Because while our vision is to help people belong to community, believe in Jesus, and become who God desires them to be, our mission is to help people live closer to God. Right? So if there are roadblocks that are man-made, that are tradition, then we're not able to fulfill that mission of helping people live closer to God. So we want to remove those roadblocks. We also say this, help them believe in Jesus. Do you know, for many people around you, you may be the only representation of Jesus that they will see initially. That their first initial experience with Jesus will be you in your life. 
and that may not be up close. So what does that mean? That means that we have to understand and pay attention to the level of influence we have in how we're living. And what it causes us to do is to take ownership of our walk with Christ, to say, if someone is looking at my life, are they growing closer to Jesus or are they pulling away? But here's the struggle and here's the tension. We, we want to do what we want to do. And so internally, there's this struggle of culture and the world and our faith. And oftentimes we say, well, I want to have my cake and eat it. So I, I want to I dip in a little bit over here, but then I want to be cool over here. I want to raise them and praise them high on Sunday, but I'm going to be outside the rest of the week. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you said, so, ah, I'll move on. That's another, that's another collection for another time that's actually, it's not until June, and that's bothering me, but it's not until June. But the point that I'm making is helping people believe in Jesus. So there's a saying that says, I forget who says it, but they say, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. Now, that sounds good. That's, that's just not biblical because Romans, I believe, 10, 13 talks about, well, how can people be saved unless they hear? How can they know unless the word is preached? So it has to be preached. But it's not an either or, but it's a both and. I think at the heart of that statement of what they were saying is what you preach should match what you live. And so for us who follow the way of Jesus, we have to make sure how we're living when we leave here, matches on Monday morning and on Wednesday morning and on Saturday night, on Friday night, they need to match so that people, when they see us, they can get insight to what it means to follow Jesus. There's so much more I can say there and want to say. We're going to move on for time purposes. But helping people to believe in Jesus, it does cause us to take inventory of our life. And here, here's just a little bit of what I want to say. We, we, have to, we have to make the decision, do we desire to follow the world's way more or do we decide, desire to follow Christ's way more? Because that's the decision point that we're all going to make. But here's the thing. We struggle with righteousness and relevance. So there's this thing inside of us that where we think that as followers of Jesus, in order to reach those who don't follow him, that we have to be relevant as defined by culture. But nothing that Jesus did in the way that he moved was necessarily relevant. He had the Pharisees out. He, he disrupted the whole system, the whole structure. What made Jesus interesting was because he was so different from the others. And that's what was inviting more than this idea of us thinking that we have to look like the world to influence the world. Because here's what the world says. The world says, well, if everything about you is going to be a carbon copy or mimic my life, I'll just do me absent of the Sunday morning, absent of the serving, absent of, and they say give? No, 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 no. I'll just do me, and you can go ahead and do that if what you are doing is looking like me with just a little bit of Jesus on the side. What the world actually wants is for people who say that they follow Jesus and believe in Jesus to truly live like it so that they can then ask the question, how do you, with all the pressure, with all the things that you will be under because your life is vastly different from what the world tells us how to live, how do you do that and remain firm and rooted in your faith? That's what makes Christianity attractive. Christianity or following Jesus is not attractive based on how much like the world we can make it look like. At that point, the world says, I'm good, and that's why people have said, you know what? I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to attend. I'm not going to connect. Or they say, well, I have Jesus, but keep the church because I'm going to go to brunch before I go to a service. But that's on us to say, yo, we have to check how we are living our lives and if we are truly helping people believe in Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me today? 
You said, man, you, you hung on that because it's one of the major tenets of our church. Because we're not, we don't want to be here to play games, but we really want to be here uh, to make a difference. Because eternity is real, and our job is to help people choose the way of Jesus. Amen? Here's the third tenet. Help them become who God desires them to be. Meaning this, we all have a becoming story. We all have our own journey that we're on. We have our own past and what we've been through, what we've gone through. Our story looks different. And that's okay. That's to be celebrated. Our stories don't have to look the same. Our stories don't have to to be the same. You know, I used to I used to feel a certain way because I would be in these environments where people would be sharing their testimony. And it was always about what God had delivered them from. And I said over here, I was like, I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, I've gone through some some things, but it ain't look like that. That wasn't my experience. But the Holy Spirit checked me. It was like, yo, it's not about what. I have delivered you from, but it's also about what I have kept you from. Because at the root and at the foundation of both of those stories and testimonies is God. It's how God delivered me, and it's also how God kept me. And so no matter what your story, what your journey is, you don't have to be ashamed of that. You could be thankful because it was God who was in the middle of it. And then he says, don't glorify that and make that the thing, but no, use it as a launch pad to share the goodness and the grace of God and let people know that if God did it, if I did it in your life, life that I could do it in theirs. But what happens is so many people will maybe at once, one point in time, they were on fire, had a zeal uh, for the Lord, very passionate, and maybe there was a moral, moral fa- failure. Uh, there was a letdown in the church, church hurt, or just something that they believed God for, and they didn't see it come to pass in the way that they anticipated. And so they stepped away. They slowly began to drift away from the faith. And then when they get to that point, they feel like they can never connect again. But here's what I say. You don't have to stop. You don't have to give up in the journey. You don't have to be perfect in the journey. You just need to keep going. You don't have to hit the exit ramp. Be disappointed. Be upset. Ask God the questions. Ask God why. You know, Scripture even says, come let us reason together. So God's not afraid of your questions. Asking God questions is not questioning him. It's not questioning his ability, his power, his sovereignty, his providence. No, but it is saying, God, why? And what happens, it's a level of vulnerability that you allow yourself get to get to where then the Lord can bring insight into your life in that moment. Now, it's not going to change what happened, but it gives us a revelation that God is God, so we have to let God be God. An example of that is Martha, when she was upset because Jesus allowed her brother Lazarus to die when they said, yo, the one you love is sick. Get here quick. And Jesus took his time. It was four days from that moment. Lazarus died. And she said, well, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would be alive. And, and then he goes on to say, uh, she goes on. To, uh, he says, listen, he's going to live again. And she's like, well, yeah, at the resurrection. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. He was talking about him, obviously. Well, Martha got some revelation that if she was never vulnerable, she would not have received. She would still been thinking about this event that the resurrection would be, not that resurrection was a person named Jesus. So what's the point? Allow yourself to get vulnerable. If you're at a point in a walk in your life with Jesus and you're disappointed, you have questions like, why did the church respond this way? Why did the church do that? Why did that leader do that? Ask the Lord the question. But it doesn't mean you have to quit or give up. Allow yourself to be vulnerable to receive a revelation from the Lord that without that level of vulnerability, you would not get. And that's what we want people to know because of what Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning this, if you get to a point in your walk with the Lord and you mess up. And it looks different than what you anticipated. Don't quit. Keep going. Because guess what? He began a good work in you. And he's just not finished yet. So don't abort mission now. Don't abort in the middle of the process of becoming. Because all of the pain that you may have gone through will turn around and become purpose for what God has called you to. Be confident that the one who began a good work, he is a finisher. We, if you got things around the house, you're like, I'll get to it. God's not like that. He finishes 
what he starts. And so you can be confident of that, that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. It's understanding that becoming isn't a destination, but it's a journey. And you know what moves that journey forward is when we live with vision. That's, what move, that's what's moving the becoming church forward. Vision is. Vision is what's moving this church. This church is running on vision. Look what the prophet Habakkuk says. It says this, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. It's important, family, that the vision is plain. It's not complicated, right? Belong, believe, become. That we want, we can almost do a song. Belong, believe, become. Come on. Belong, believe, become. Let me stop. Let me stop. I just felt it in a moment. <laughs> we got to write it down and make it plain. And we share it. Why? Because I don't want myself or Katie or our, our, our lead team, our core team, to be the ones who run with the vision. Only because it's not ours. It's, it's, it's ours, or if you're tracking with me. Right? So when you're at the barbershop, share the vision. When I say share the vision, like, hey, do you know that God wants you to belong to community? I mean, I don't mean like that, but how you live out. Invite people to your table. Remove the roadblocks. Let them know that they belong. Let them know that they can connect. Let them know that God cares about them. And, and here's the kicker. It don't even have to be at the Becoming Church. Uh-oh, really? Yes, because it's about the kingdom of God. There are many flavors at Handel's. I'm going to choose a flavor. You're going to choose a flavor. But guess what we all get? We all get ice cream. And so if you don't connect here but you connect somewhere else, well, praise God for that. Because the heart and the goal and the mission is that you're connecting to a church body that preaches the full counsel of the word of God. So that's how you own the vision. That's how we run with it. And here we are as a church for 84 weeks. We've been running with that vision. And here's the thing, we let you in on a little bit of secret. We are 84 and 0 as a church. We have not lost on a Sunday. <laughs> and the reason why is because every time we gather, we gather with this purpose of making much about Jesus and understanding that he is our message and he is the one that we're pointing to. It's not about a person or personality, but it's about the person of Jesus. And I'm just going to run off some stats, some numbers of what the Lord has done in 84 weeks, and you can go crazy, you can clap, you can applause. Just don't be silent because this is what the Lord has done, okay? All right, here we go. So in terms of belong groups, we're big about community. We talk about community here. It's, one, it's, the, it's the very first tenet of our church, belong to community. And so when it comes to belong groups, we have launched nearly 60 belong groups. That's 60 groups where people are getting connected and finding community. New friendships are developing. Do you know that there are people here who did not know each other? The church launched. They met each other. And that they vacation together? That is wild to me. The church is 19 months old. So that means that's a quick bond. Because you know it's a different level of a friendship to go on vacation together. So I'm just saying, join a belong group. Find somebody to go on vacation with. <laughs> so within our groups... On average, there are over 100 people who attend those groups each week. So all the groups that happen uh, from Sunday to Sunday, there are 100 people on average. And that's amazing. But, family, I, I have vision. I'm believing that there will be just as many people uh, in our belongers throughout the week that are here on Sunday mornings. Because we all are gathering around how important it is to connect outside of this moment. This moment is important. This moment is vital. This moment is a moment that I don't think should be replaced. I'll speak boldly here. This is a moment that I feel like as families that we should prioritize gathering together corporately. We don't go to church, but we do gather as the church. So I feel like you say, well, you're speaking at this perspective from a pastor. No, I haven't always been a pastor, but this has always been my perspective and belief is that Sunday mornings, they matter. They're important. I'm going to pay attention to what I'm discipling my family, my children, my spouse into. So yes, let's make this moment matter, but this moment ain't it. There's so much. This is a Super Bowl moment. The wins is, is what takes place between the Sundays, what happens in the weeks. So I want to encourage you. 
I think groups close next Sunday, but go on the website, check out a group. And if they close, get ready because we're rolling right into Belong Groups kicking off again come January. And so get ready and join a group. Now, since Belong Groups have launched, we have seen 4,000 420 people attend those groups. That's not unique people. That's just you guys. You keep showing up. So that means, so anybody who's on the edge, hey, the groups must not be weird because obviously there's a lot of people who keep showing up. So, you know, take a chance and go show up to one. Uh, We have done this. We've been able to train up, raise up 113 leaders who are leading those groups. And I celebrate that number. I'm excited about that number. But guess what? I want to see that number go up because the more leader of groups there are, that means the more groups there are, the more people that are getting connected. You know, we we often say this is that we're not a church simply in the city, but a church for the city. And one of the ways that we express being for the city is by serving the city. We also say that the Lord didn't call us to change the city, but he called us to serve the city. And as we serve the city, he'll change the city. Well, the way that we express that is through what we call I Love My City. I Love My City happens uh, pretty much mostly every first Saturday where we uh, go and serve in various areas around uh, the city, uh, primarily over in the Northwood uh, community and in the Terry Heights area. And we're there uh, monthly serving. And there are other things that we do outside of that, but primarily I Love My City takes place on that first Saturday. We were uh, out uh, just uh, yesterday uh, serving our city. And here's some quick stats when it comes to uh, serving here at the church. Over the last 10, uh, 12 months, we've participated in two mobile food pantries where we had the opportunity to feed 2,785 people. Come on. That's real people. That's individuals. That's not repeat. But those are real people that uh, because of your, your serving and your generosity that we were able to meet a need that existed. Over the course of this year, we've participated in over uh, 10 different serve uh, projects. Even Uh, In July, where we didn't gather in this way on a Sunday morning, and we blessed uh, the school, Horizon Elementary, right here, and and just showing and illustrating uh, to us as a church that we are a community that serves. It's not a social club. It's not, you know, you go to Planet Fitness, you got a membership, and there are different things that you know, you may feel about or or complain about because you're like, yo, I pay my $9.99, so this is wrong. (laughs) But here... You know, we use the word member, but it's much deeper than that. We're owners and saying like, yo, I am owning and taking a, a, a deep investment into what we do as a church community and in this city, and I'm serving the city. And so even as you guys are out and about and you're at restaurants, think with this perspective, hey, I'm pastoring this restaurant right now. So I'm going to set the tone in this restaurant. You know what I try to do? If I see another pastor out in the city, and we're at the same place, oh, I'm getting their meal before they try to get mine. They might not even try to get mine, but I'm getting their meal, and I ain't even going to let them know who got it. But they're going to know, like, they see me again, their meal is paid for. They're going to put two and two together. Why? Because, like, yes, it's, it's this mindset of, like, yo, we get to serve this city. So pastoring to become a church is just the limit. Everywhere I go, I'm going with the mindset that I get to pastor the environment that I'm in. And I want to encourage you to move with the same way. Like, hey, Lord, we are for Huntsville. We are for Madison. How can we serve this city? We've mobilized over 500 people in service in some kind of way, resulting in 650 hours served. And kind of in that same lane when it comes to missions and outreach, by December 31st, 2020. Three, uh, as a church, this is not like brought in, but this is like a number that is like given away. There's no strings attached, just given, not money that's come in. We will have given away $90,000 in missions and outreach. Now, that, that, that's not the budget. <laughs> that's not the money that came in, but that's the money that went out, the money of your generosity that went out. To make a difference that went out to support church planting efforts, college campus ministry outreach, disaster relief through Convoy of Hope, our Generosity of Foundation, the organization that we are partnering with on those I Love My City Saturdays that are working and doing great things to serve some of the most underserved areas of our city. Also, an organization here locally called Second Mile that does great work uh, to reach families and, and provide uh, edu- educational resources for young children. $90,000 to go out and make a difference. And guess what? That number is going to be higher next year. 
is going to be higher the year after. That number is going to continue to increase because it's not about what can come in, but it's about giving to what can flow out to make a difference here in the community. We're 19 months old. That's God, family. And here's something else. When the year kicked off, you know, we're just asking God what's happening and what's going on. It was our first, you know, full, this is our first full calendar year we'll complete because we launched in February of 22. But back in March of this year, we were looking around and every Sunday, y'all remember, you hear clank, 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 clank. It was those chairs having to be rolled out. And, and you, some of you guys were back there running slides because that's how far the seats uh, had to go all the way back to the front of the house. Some of you guys, I saw you on camera, and it was like, yo, we got to figure something out. And so, you know, I was talking to the overseers and some other pastor friends of mine. So I was like, yo, I think we got to make this room quickly uh, because this thing is just getting uh, out of hand uh, in here. And so nervous as all get out, we launched with two services. I was like, Lord, it's going to be me and five other folks in that first service. Uh, But since then, family, we've seen 11,293 people walk through the doors of the Becoming Church. That's not unique people, but that's repeat offenders like you guys just keep coming back. And and, and that's happened since March, since we went to uh, to two services. And and typically weekly, we see 376 people uh, on average attend here uh, on Sunday mornings. And uh, this I'm also excited about that through our partnership with ARC, Association of Related Churches, uh, we've helped, we've been a part of helping to plant 36 churches all across uh, the United States of America. That's 36 communities where people are saying yes to Jesus, where people are being baptized, just amazing things that the Lord has given us a chance uh, to be a part of these moments. But here's the next, these next two, y'all got to lose it, y'all got to go crazy for this number, because this is this is what it's about, and this is the reason why we're all here. Is since the beginning of the becoming church on that first Sunday, since that moment, we've seen 175 people make a decision for Jesus. Come on, church, that's what it's all about. It's all about souls. It's all about change. It's all about people saying yes to Jesus, whether that's a new decision, a rededication, or whatever that is. That's what it's about. It's not about programs. It's not about marketing strategies and all those things. It's about people saying yes to Jesus. And we've also seen 29 people raised to new life in Christ through water baptism. And that's, that's amazing. But I'm a little disappointed. Because I'm like, I saw the number. I was like 29. Somebody was supposed to get baptized a couple weeks ago, so it could have been a smooth 30. But... 29, praise God. But that's the vision, so that we can see it, so that we can run with it. And that's me talking about it, but I want us to look at it from a different perspective. Uh, So if you would, turn your attention to the screen and check this out. In the limitless realm of imagination, can you imagine... A world where dreams stretch as far as the horizon of possibilities. A world where faith becomes a bridge to the extraordinary. Where hope flows like a river of endless possibilities. Now, can you imagine? A day when we as dreamers fuse our faith and imagination. This is your moment, your awakening to a realm where faith knows no boundaries and dreams take flight. The anticipation is building and a world of boundless potential awaits. Can you imagine the destiny that awaits us where dreams and faith converge to create a tapestry of wonder?
that God has in store for us. Come on, church. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all that God has in store for us, all that God has done, all of what God wants to do? Come on, hear me. This is just the beginning. That is amazing. And I'm excited and I'm humbled and I'm grateful to be a part of that. But can I tell you? that we're just getting started? Can I tell you that this is only the beginning? Can I tell you that we haven't even gotten started yet? We haven't scratched the surface yet? Scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man all that God has planned for him. This is only the beginning. There's still families to reach. There's still people to reach. There's still children to minister to. There are still people to serve in this community. This is only the beginning. And so listen, shake up, get ready, because, man, God's got vision for this church, and there's things that he has called us to as a community to live out. And so I'm excited about what God has done, but I'm looking forward to what he's about to do. You know, earlier this year, there are many of you who are here who were not here at the beginning of this year, but at the beginning of this year in January, uh, this is what uh, we felt like we uh, believed that the Lord was saying for this year, that this was a year of preparation that he was taking us into a moment to prepare, to prepare and get ready for what he was doing, to get ready for some of the moments that we're experiencing now, but also get ready for the moments that will come later. And so that's what this year has been. This has been a year, in some ways, trial and error, some ways figuring out, Lord, what is it? How have you called us to be your expression in this city and to your people? And we've been moving with that in mind, that this is a moment of preparation so that when the moment would come, when the time would come, we we wouldn't be caught off guard, but we would be ready to respond in whatever way that the Lord was calling us to respond. And that came from Proverbs 2420 that says this, prepare your work outside. You know, outside can be dirty. Outside means work. So there were some moments where we had to roll up our sleeves, some moments that were some long nights and lots of planning and lots of conversation. But prepare your work outside. Get things ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, build your house. So we felt like, Lord, this is a moment of preparation. And when the Lord, we felt like the Lord laid that on our hearts, we didn't know what that meant. But we would continue to move forward with that in mind, that we are preparing for whatever it is that the Lord is ushering us into. In fact, I believe that this is the season uh, that we're stepping into. That we wanted to position ourselves that when God said build, that we'd be ready to build. And that's where I believe that we are family. That in a moment, in a time and space where the world is saying, listen, you need to slow down. Listen, you need to hunker down a little bit. That there's a lot of uncertainty. That there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of wars and rumors of wars. That inflation is high. Rates are high. So much is uncertain. So because of that, it's time to to dumb it down a little bit. It's time to sit down a little bit. Pull everything together and don't move forward. Family, that's not what we're doing. We don't feel like that's what the Lord has called us to. That the Lord has said, listen, the vision has not changed. That it's still time to advance. That this is a moment to move forward. Why? Because look at Matthew 16, 18. It says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Hear me, Jesus is building his church and he's not building his church to be silent. He's not building his church to be stagnant. He's not building his church to retreat. No, he is building his church to advance. Why would Hades need gates? To keep the church out, come on, which means the church is on the offensive. The church is advancing. The church is moving forward. So we are not going to sit down on our blessed assurance. But my prayer time, my focus time is, Lord, what will you have for this body of believers to do? How will you have us to move forward? Because we want to make it difficult to go to hell in Huntsville and in Madison that we are praying for God to do things that we didn't think of. That's why we said, can you imagine? Because we can't. We want God, if we can expect it, we want God to exceed it because that's who he is and that's what he does. And so here's an opportunity and a moment for us to collectively come around that, that there are people to reach, that we have to be on mission. 
You say, well, God's building this, Jesus is building this church. Well, who's the church? The church is us. The church is you and I. The church is not structure. The church is not buildings. It's not an institution, but it's a people. That's why we don't go to church, but we gather as a church. So that means when Jesus says that he's building his church, that he's building you, he's building us to be on mission with what he's on mission for. And guess what his mission is? Scripture says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Guess what has not stopped for Jesus? He is still seeking and saving the lost. And so he's building us to be on that mission. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? So that's why I'm excited to announce this, and I believe that it's prophetic. What, is, what, what, do you, what do you mean by prophetic? It's future talk. It's saying, what does the word say, and coming to agreement with that. This is not just shouting something and just thinking that I can manifest it, but no, it's connecting with Scripture and believing this is what God has in front of us. And I believe that it's a prophetic message to say that we are stepping into what I believe is building season, that Jesus is building his church. And it's not an institution. There's a part of it that is an organization, but that's not the fullness of it. It's an organism. It's a community. It's real people with real stories, real lives, real moments that the goodness of God that has intersected. And he says, I'm building my church and I'm giving all of us an opportunity to be a part of stewarding that. So here we are. I believe this, that we are truly stepping into a building season. That he's given us purpose to build. That he says, listen, I want you to not walk around aimlessly, but I want you to understand that your purpose is this, to know God, but then to make him known. So the call, the purpose of our lives is to know him, but then he gives us unique ways and expressions to make him known. But we need to know what that is. We need to discover purpose. So he's bringing us into purpose, that he's building men. Strong man, godly man, he's building men, that he's building women, that he's building the next generation, that he's building families, that he's building marriages, that he's building singles. It's building season. Are you tracking with me this morning? We often say this, that we don't want to be a part of building a big church, but we want to build big people, people who are big in their faith, people who are big in their fellowship after Jesus. We can't control. I can't control who comes here and who doesn't show up here. I can't do that. But what I can be uh, in control of or have uh, um, conversation into is how we build people when they step into these spaces or intend anything that is connected to the becoming church. And it's to build us up big in our faith that no matter where we are in our journey, that we can stand firm and be rooted in Christ that I don't want us to just be a gathering of people who are gathering around our own ideas, but we are gathering around the word of God and that we can be like the early church and the early followers that shook the world upside down. And you know how they did it? They were devoted to scripture, devoted to the word, and devoted to prayer, that in a culture in which they were being arrested, in which they were being uh, martyred, they began, they served the Lord in such a way that they shook up that world, and now what was once in opposition of them became the religion of the way. So how can we live in that way? That we don't need laws and things to change. No, that means we need to build big people. So what does that look like? That sounds good, but what does that look like on a practical sense? Here are some things that we're going to step into in 2024. We say we want to reach children because, hear me, there's a fight for kids. There's a fight for your kids. Some of it is very loud and is up front. Some of it is kind of beneath the surface. It has grooming-type behavior. But there is a fight for children. And so what we have to, because they don't don't care about us because they're like, okay, they're a lost cause. They are where they are. They believe what they believe. There's some that we can kind of get, but for the most part, they're, they're stuck in their ways. But these children are, are impressionable. So how can we influence them with the things that we groom them with? And so what we have to be as the body of believers that say, not on my watch. That we got to be people who are willing to invest. The Becoming Church will always be about the generations behind. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. But it's about what are we doing for the future generations. 
that 50, 75, 100 years till Jesus comes, that this church is here, and we won't get to experience all the fullness of what God has for it, but the generations behind us will. But it starts with how we steward this moment. And so we're, we're looking, Lord, help us to invest in the next generation. So one small thing of just the beginning of just one domino, I feel, and that continues to expand over time. In the summer, we're kicking off what we call Kids Fest. And I said what we call Kids Fest. It may not be called Kids Fest. I don't know the name yet. But it's going to be a week-long environment where throughout the summer, your kids can connect and be discipled and, and, and have the Word of God instilled in them to, be, to worship, to be prayed over, to grow in their faith as an early age. Because oftentimes, the becoming church is not a space where, hey, let us get in the room and do something else with the kids. So they're not back there getting babysat. But no, they're getting prayed over that the word of God is getting ministered to them. You know, we're sitting at dinner the other night, and Zoe is sitting there talking about David. It's like, where are you learning that? At church? I'm like, yes, that's it. Because when we think they don't hear, when we think they don't know, they hear and they know. And so what an opportunity we have to instill the word of God in them at an early age. God, he works in generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we believe in the coming generations. So we say build big people. So we're talking about children, but also men of having strong, godly men in whatever sphere of influence that they're in, whether you're married or whether you're single, wherever you are in your life, to be a godly man. And so that's why I'm excited that we're kicking off what we're calling TBC Brotherhood or the Becoming Church Brotherhood, that we'd be a brotherhood of men that can pray together, that can worship together, that can serve together, that can connect together, that we're not coming with agendas, we're not getting caught up in comparison, but we're seeking the Lord together. How can we be men Pillars in our community, pillars in our home, if we have families, to raise them up in the way of Jesus. Because moms and women, you are so valued, and we need you, and we thank you for all that you do and all that you've done and all that you continue to do. But the stats do show that when the man in the house says yes to Jesus, everyone else in that home will follow suit. That's not to demean the power and the impact of women, because I thank God for praying mothers and grandmothers, but it's to show the importance of men in the space. And so we're saying, God, help us to develop strong men. And it's the brotherhood. Why? 1 Peter 2.17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. That we want to be men who can worship together, pray for each other, and do it from a space of honoring God. And our first gathering will take place very soon. Uh, Sunday, excuse me, Saturday, October 21st, right here on the campus of Horizon Elementary. So you got what? Was that 13 days? So go ahead, invite Pookie, Ray Ray, your cousin and them, all them come out. I'll even say this, like if you got some plans, cancel it and show up. I don't say that a lot, but cancel it, show up, be here. Because we're going to gather together and we're kicking this off. It'll start at 8 a.m. We'll have breakfast. It's going to be good food, good spread. I know you like to eat. I like to eat. And we're going to hang. And we're going to be intentional with our community. But then we're going to come in here and we're going to worship together. I don't know. It might be a um, push-up competition or something. I don't know. We're going to do something. But it's going to be a lot of amazing ways and things to connect. And we're going to worship. We're going to gather around the word. And so that's the first thing that's our first gathering that's taking place uh, coming up on October 21st. So, you know, if you're married, ladies, excuse them for that bit in the morning so that they can show up here. Okay. Because some of y'all was like, yeah, talk to my wife about it. So I just did. <laughs> y'all remember, do it for the vine, do it for the Lord. Come on. But um, so what would the ladies? Well, I'm, I'm going to let Katie, my wife, speak to that. Would y'all welcome her as she comes? <laughs> got it. Thank you. I'm so excited to announce um, Becoming Sisters. So I see Becoming Sisters a place where women of all ages, all backgrounds come together to build community, worship together, encounter Jesus, and grow in faith. I see these gatherings as a place to laugh, to celebrate each other, and to worship Jesus. We'll connect with other women, develop new friendships, worship Jesus, and grow in God's word. I see Becoming Sisters a place where women feel empowered 
to thrive in the lane that God has called her to run in. I see Becoming Sisters community being a place where women will cultivate and carry such a contagious love of Jesus to where all women are captivated to follow Jesus. It says in Acts 2:42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of the bread and to prayer. So I see becoming sisters as a community of women worshiping together, encountering Jesus together and growing in faith together. So I'm so yeah. excited for becoming sisters in the future and what God holds for um, just that community of women coming together in the gatherings in 2024. Yes, come on. That's it. Not trying to build a big church, but build big people. So I'm excited about God and what he's doing with that. I'm also excited about this. You know, oftentimes, like, there's been 175 people that have made a decision in some kind of way uh, for Jesus here to become in church. Um, but what I realized is we need to resource people well right after that moment. And, and maybe even if they're not necessarily in that moment, but just some questions about, okay, so what, what does that mean? What are some, some of those questions of the faith? So, like, I said yes to Jesus, so now what, right? And so that led us to in-house develop uh, this course or this, this, this class uh, called Following Jesus. And it's something that is available on our website actually now. Uh, you can log on to thebecomingchurch.org. You should do that, by the way. We recently re redesigned it, so check it out. Um, but you can scroll at the top, click Next Steps, uh, and you can scroll down. And you will see this course available. And all you got to do is simply uh, you can sign up, register by way of, a, of an email and you can take this course. And this is good. Again, yes, of course, if you just made a decision for Jesus, or maybe not. Maybe there's just some questions about the faith that you have, like salvation. What does that really entail? A sin. What, what is that? Why do we need to be saved? All these different things that maybe are just questions that we have, and, and maybe you didn't know the space or the place to be able to ask those and navigate through. I want to encourage you to go uh, through this course called Following Jesus. Again, it's all about the, the, the fullness of who we are and, and being discipled in how we follow uh, Jesus. Here's something I'm excited to announce. Uh, also in that same vein is this, formation groups. So belong groups are not going away. But those are going to continue to be here. Those are going to continue to increase. But the, another leg of the vision of discipleship here at the Becoming Church, I believe, is going to be vital and really realized in what we're calling formation groups. Listen, everything is trying to Form us. We're being formed spiritually one way or another. Either we're being formed by culture or we're being formed by the way of Jesus. And so we've actually partnered with an organization that we support financially called Practicing the Way to provide curriculum that is aimed at forming us spiritually as followers of the way of Jesus. And so they'll operate very similarly to belong groups. So they'll meet uh, at someone's home, someone will host it, and there's actually uh, curriculum, very uh, or video sessions that have been produced and developed. They obviously are high quality and very connecting and engaging. I think they're about typically about uh, 25 minutes to 30 minutes a piece where we will connect around that and then we'll have a discussion about, about what we just talked about or listened to. And so that'll be about the practices of the faith. So the practice of, of prayer, of fasting, of silence and solitude, of faith, of hospitality, all these things that we saw Jesus lived out that we're called to model and, excuse me, called to follow what he modeled. And so I'm really excited about that so that we can see ways in which we can grow in our faith. All this happening in 2024. Now, the other thing that people probably like, so you're going to talk about this. Yes, I am. I'm talking about that. So you guys know we meet here at Horizon Elementary um, it's, it's a school. It's not our, our permanent home. We are a portable uh, church, uh, which means we need a portable home. Um, and so as a church, uh, we are actively looking for that place. Can I tell you, I was like, Lord, let us find a place before Vision Sunday so I can make that announcement. And family, we're very close. Now, I wrestled with sharing this about how close we were uh, to, to having a permanent home, and very close, um, very close to that. 
And I wrestled with sharing that because I didn't want us from this moment forward to begin to see being portable as a burden and not realize that it's a blessing. Because it's a blessing that we get to meet. It's a blessing that we have a space to gather. And we have, we've been able to develop such a unique partnership here with Horizon Elementary and just the things that we're able to do portably that are not typical uh, for, for most churches who meet in environments like this. And so I'm very grateful and very thankful for the favor that the Lord has given us. And so I was almost hesitant to share just how close we were because I didn't want us to feel that this is a burden. To walk in here next Sunday and be like, yeah, 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 you know what I mean? Just because of what I just shared today. But I, but I, I wanted to share because I wanted you to know that we don't have intentions to always be portable. Uh, that we uh, do know and feel that God has a place for us. And while we thought it was one space, it wasn't. And, and, and God has a space that is for us. And, and you said, well, why wasn't that space for us? Well, as I said earlier, this, this church doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong uh, to Katie. That we are submitted to leadership, submitted to overseers to help uh, bring um, guidance uh, to this church and how it moves. And when we were looking at this location, uh, looking at what it was going to cost to renovate, looking at the square footage, looking at where we are as a church today, and understanding this, that when a church goes from portable to permanent, there's a typical baseline of what you can expect in terms of growth, that we would have gotten into that space, and six months later, it would have been too small. So then you know what would have happened? You guys would have said, you said that that place was going to be good for us, and now we got to move again. And so it's not being caught up in what brings some momentary uh, satisfaction, but it's looking ahead. You know, from the very beginning, we said we're a church that's playing the long game. And so with that in mind, we said, this is not the space that God has for us. And so then I said, Lord, what is? And he's like, I'll show you. I said, man. But here's what's amazing about that. It was going to cost about anywhere, you know, construction costs always change. It was going to cost anywhere from $650,000 to $850,000 to renovate uh, the space. And here's the blessing, and here's the stewardship, and here's the generosity, and here's the piece that I wanted you guys to hear, is that we were going to be able to do, if not all, but most of that in cash. Like how... how how amazing is that? And you say, will that, that deplete us? No. <laughs> but how amazing is that? And I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to share that, uh, take the risk of sharing that and have some of us thinking that this portable is a burden. But I thought it was bigger for you to hear the stewardship and the generosity of this church and how we feel that this church needs to continue uh, to move forward. And so we're not going to let a building dictate the ministry that we're able to do because God has called us to reach people, but we are looking for a permanent uh, location. And maybe you have a question. You know, I like to say this, you know, being portable just means this is the tabernacle. You know, we just like Moses and them. This is our tabernacle. So, <laughs> but the question is, well, maybe, well, how quickly can we go from portable uh, to permanent. Well, that depends on these two things. That depends on when God says so, right? So we have to hear from him and say, okay, and, and, and that's, that's just not me thinking when we're hearing from him, but that's submitting that to our overseers and saying, all right, here's what we feel like the Lord is saying. Now let's pray into that. But then it's also the speed of generosity. And so I, I say this often that generosity becomes the wheels that moves the, the, the uh, vision forward. So vision is all around, but vision stays parked if there are no wills that are often generosity uh, and us as people that move it forward. Now, we have, obviously, as I just shared, we're such a generous church, but God is continuing to call us and to challenge us in our space of, gener of generosity. And so it's determined on those two things, when God says so, and the speed of generosity. And so we don't get to determine the vision, but we do get to determine the pace 
of it. And oftentimes that's through us and how we are willing to serve and also in how uh, we are willing uh, to be generous in the way that the Lord is calling us to be generous. Now, last year uh, we introduced what we call our bricklayers offering, which is a once a year offering that goes to accelerate uh, the vision of the Becoming Church. So it's not used uh, for speakers, it's not used to replace um, wires and cables and drapes and all that, those things, but it's used to advance the vision of, of the church, uh, specifically when it comes to a, a permanent uh, location. And so we were a young, young church, obviously not even a year old at that moment, and we came together on that second Sunday in December, and, and together in a single offering, we brought in $52,000 in our very first bricklayer's offering. Yes. Amen. Praise God. And that's not money used for, you know, crumble cookie or whatever it is that we give out there sometimes. But that is in the bank and it's going towards a permanent facility. Well, this year, the Bricklayer's Offering uh, will take place on Sunday, uh, December 10th. And you say, well, why not today? Well, we're not receiving it today or next week, but no, it's for us to have space between today and the next number of weeks to ask God how he is calling us to participate uh, in that moment. Because I'm not asking any of us to give, but I am asking us to ask God to give. And so uh, between us and God, we determine what that is. On the way up from our trip um, just here this week, Katie and I were talking about it, and we're like, hey, we've got to get praying about that number. And then right when she said that, a number hit my head, and I was like, I ain't saying that out loud because that's no way that's the number that the Lord is sharing because uh, I was looking, and I was like, I don't know where that's going to come from. But I felt that way last year, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we gave it. And I'm not sharing what the number is because it scares me, but it may not scare you and vice versa. But, but it's my number, and it's the number that I feel like the Lord uh, is telling us uh, to give uh, this year on that Sunday. And so are you going to hear about it between now and then? Yeah, there will be a little bit that we're talking about it, but it's not going to be much. Because that's a moment for us to pray and ask God, how are we to participate in that moment? Now, I said up front that today... Now, it wasn't about simply just vision about the becoming church, but it's about vision for our lives. But in essence, those two things collide because we make up the becoming church. And so um, I'm going to have Micah, if you just come and help me land this, this plane. Just Micah, come help me land this plane. I'm going to go back to Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. I want you to hear this thing first, that wherever you are in life, Maybe you've been living absent of vision. Maybe uh, you just have been feeling stagnant and not moving forward. I want you to hear this this morning is that God is able, that God is able to move in your life in ways that you never thought possible. And oftentimes one of the barriers to vision is doubt. We doubt that God can use us. We doubt that we're the one for the mission. We doubt that God really called us. And oftentimes it, we, we're, we're doubting because we're thinking about our ability and what we can do. But I love what 1 Corinthians 1.27 says. It says, but God chose what the world considers foolish to shame the wise. That God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. Family, God can use you in all that you feel that you don't have. What the world says is wise. God says, no, that's foolish. And God says what the world may call foolish, watch what I do with that. Because, listen, family, you've made some foolish decisions before. It was foolish for you to say yes to Jesus when no one in your family had ever said yes to him. It was foolish for you to choose to work on your marriage when everyone and everything else around you said to quit. And it was foolish for the Becoming Church to be launched during a pandemic. But here we are, family, and we're not just here we're not just existing, but by the grace of God, we're making a difference, that people are connecting, that lives are being changed. It was foolish to think that we could make a difference, but here we are doing that. Why? Because now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more. Here's what else I want you to get. I want you to level up your expectation. Listen, it says more than all we can ask or imagine. Family, ex ask God for more. If you can expect it, know that God can exceed it. 
I'm not talking about material things. I'm not talking about any of that. But ask God to help you in your faith. Ask God to help you in the struggles that you're you're facing, that you're walking through. Ask God to give you the boldness to share your faith. Whatever it is that you're expecting, level it up. Don't dumb it down because you're thinking about what you can do. But as we're saying, who are we to deny what the Lord can do? So expect more. And here's the last thing. Rely on the Holy Spirit. I love the story when Peter and John are walking to the temple and at the gate called Beautiful and they encounter the beggar who asked them for money. And Peter says, listen, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Peter says, I don't have any of that, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in me. I have that to offer. Now through his power, get up and walk. Listen, you may not be the most intellectual. You may not be the best strategist. You may not come from with all the money. You may not have all the networks and connections, but what you do have and what matters most is that you've got the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It dwells in you. And if God places something in front of you, if he gives you a mission, if there's a vision for your life, you can fulfill it because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need a perspective shift. How can God provide it? Listen, God doesn't have a provision problem. We have a perspective one. So we got to say, God, give us the perspective of heaven. So the question goes, can you imagine? Let's pray this morning.